going on, everybody? And welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Covington, and I'm joined by my, my co-host here. One and only, Quentin Douglas. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, Quentin? How you been, man? Well, I'm doing about as good as I can. I've been stuck in the house the past few days, but still trucking, keeping it pushing. How about you, bro? It's been rough. I've only been at the house once since Sunday. I rode with my cousin to the gas station. Not the gas station, to the grocery store. I just got the ice off my car. It took like an hour and a half. but And, and it's snowing. And as I started, it's snowing again right now. So we'll see how they work out for me. It's supposed to go to work in the morning, so we'll see. Yeah, I tried to do a good deed and clear the windshields for my sister and mom off their car, but as soon as I did it, the snow right back out there. But more importantly, I got that thick layer of ice up off of there. Well, it's been rough, I'll tell you that much, but let's go ahead and get started today. Uh, we got a few topics for y'all today. On last week, J.J. White and the Houston Texans decided to part ways, and J.J. White is now a free agent. Uh, he's been one of the best players in Houston Texans history, if not the best player, one of the best defensive players of our generation, a surefire Hall of Famer. So, Quentin, what do you think is the best fit for J.J. White? Yeah, uh, so like you said, he's definitely first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, for a stretch of period, he was hands down the most dominant player in the NFL probably until Aaron Donald came along. Uh, but – you know, I think they mutually agreed to part ways. It had been speculated for a while uh, that the Texans were going to let J.J. White go. Uh, but, you know, he's given up $17 million. Clearly, he's not worth that anymore. Uh, but given the right situation and the right team, um, a contending team at that, I think he could still be a very impactful player. Uh, last year, he was still sixth in the NFL in tackles for losses. Uh, of course, he had five sacks. That's not what we're used to seeing from him. Uh, but if he could go somewhere where he's not the guy and he can have a good supporting cast, like I said, I think he can be very effective. And a place that can provide him with that, I think, would be Green Bay, uh, at least as the top spot. Uh, they already have Kenny Clark, who's one of the best defensive tackles in the game. You guys are Darius Smith on the outside. Uh, who's one of the best edge defenders in the game. And then on the opposite side, you got Rashawn Gary emerging, uh, who had a really solid rookie year last year. Uh, he came on really strong. Um, but, you know, I found it interesting was Zadarius Smith, him and J.J. Watt were actually number one and two in the league last year uh, when it came to edge defenders who were double teamed. So you could only imagine, you know, the havoc they wreaked if they were on the same D-line together. You know, scheme-wise, it may not be the best fit because, uh, you know, I think primarily J.J. White plays on the outside. Uh, but, you know, I do think the Packers need to be more aggressive. Uh, they've, they've had a lot of head scratches over the past maybe year or two, you know, especially considering where they spent their first two or their first two picks in the draft last year. Uh, you know, all the other top NFC teams, you know, New Orleans, Seattle, you know, the Rams, even, you know, look at Tampa Bay and the champion Buccaneers. They've all been aggressive. And while they've done that, the Packers have done next to nothing. Uh, so, you know, with Aaron Rodgers being 37 and not getting any younger, 
I think, you know, this will be one of a few moves they have to make this offseason in order to get over that hump uh, and truly become a Super Bowl caliber team. I pick Green Bay as my first option as well. The best fit for him. He's from, from Wisconsin. He's from Pewaukee, Wisconsin. And if you want to talk about scheme, he actually does fit their scheme. Uh, the Houston Texans, the entirety of his career has ran a 3-4 defense. He plays defensive and a 3-4 defense. And that's basically a five technique. That means he's he's uh, lined up right over the tackle, uh, which isn't, isn't all the way outside, like an outside linebacker would be. But he's right on the tackle. So he actually would fit schematically with that. And you mentioned Kenny Clark, who's one of the best interior defensive linemen in football. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. You got those guys on the outside with Clark and Watt on the inside, that'll be probably one of the best defensive lines, if not the best in football. And like you mentioned, one of the league leaders in tackles for a loss last year, uh, but his sacks did go down. And that's because, you know, outside of him, the only other notable pass rusher the Houston Texans had was Whitney Merciless, and he's aging as well. So outside of that, he was really the only threat on the defensive line. And they lost one of their other best interior defensive linemen, the offseason before, uh, and DJ Reader, he went on to the Cincinnati Bengals. So, and he demanded double teams as well. So, you know, with him being gone, White faced most of the double teams just as he has, you know, the majority of his career. Uh, but uh, like I said, it fits, it fits great for him schematically. Um, they do have a little cap space issue, but they were able to free up $8 million in cap space. Uh, left tackle David Bakhtiari had $11 million roster bonus, and the Packers converted that to a sign bonus, which freed up their cap space. You know, I'm thinking at this point, I'm sure J.J. Watt, not, he's made plenty of money in his career. At this point, he's trying to win the championship. And I think right. Green Bay Green Bay affords him the best opportunity to do that. Um, offensively, still got Aaron Rodgers, still got Devontae Adams. You know, when you got those two guys, you're always going to be great offensively. You know, got the tight ends. You got some, some good tight ends there. Uh, I, I would like for them to bring Aaron Jones back. If not, try to get a running back that's similar to his caliber. Uh, they also, you know, drafted AJ Dillon the second round last year. Had Jamal Williams to get some snaps too. So they got, some, they have some talent offensively, and you know, defensively, they're only going to get better. Um, you know, they got one of the best corners in football in Jair Alexander. They got two good safeties in Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. So you know, with Watt, that could take the defense to the next level, definitely. No doubt. Uh, you know, if they can get Watt and maybe a corner. Uh, and maybe a linebacker or something, I think they'd be pretty legit on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but like we said, I think Green Bay gives him the best chance. Uh, you know, but if he doesn't go to Green Bay, I think another good fit for him would be the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, they shocked a lot of people last year. Uh, they made a playoff run. But, you know, their defense – they were only top 10 against the run, you know, pretty much every other category, whether it be points allowed, yards allowed, uh, passing yards, touchdowns, whatever the category is, they were all pretty mediocre or towards the bottom of the league in all those categories. And, you know, they had multiple games last year where their defense looked really susceptible, especially once Miles Garrett got banged up. But, if J.J. Watt can give them that presence on the opposite side, uh, I think he elevates that team, especially considering, uh, you know, they had Olivier Vernon, but he tore his Achilles. So I highly doubt they'll be bringing him back uh, in the offseason. And, you know, he'll give them a good presence up front. 
They got some good uh, players in the secondary. They got Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward. Uh, so they have some pieces. They just need, you know, that additional presence that could help solidify the unit. Uh, and, you know, maybe even Buffalo. Buffalo would be a good spot, too. And you, you mentioned Buffalo. That was actually my sleeper pick in terms of in terms of where you should go. Uh, with Buffalo and the Browns, they run the same base defense, which is a 4-3 defense. And the defensive end is technically called the seven. It's playing the seven technique. And that's outside of the tackle and right in between the tight end and the tackle. That will be the first time in Watt's career that he would play uh, out that far on the defensive line. So, you know, I'm not sure how much fit matters for J.J. Watt. I mean, he's still a tremendous player. Uh, but, you know, he'd be playing alongside a disruptive defensive front. Uh, Ed Oliver, Jerry Hughes, Trent Murphy, uh, they're pretty – they go too deep in pretty much every position. And like I mentioned, they're disruptive as well. So, I'm thinking, you know, pick right. Green Bay is the best fit. Uh, I think Buffalo is a sleeper. And then you could even – you know, he's been linked to Pittsburgh, obviously, because of his brothers T.J. Watt and Derek Watt. But also, right. up front, same scheme, 3-4 scheme. He'd be sliding right in. Uh, on the interior, they have Cam Hayward, Stephon Tewitt in the middle, and then it would be J.J. Watt at the opposite end, T.J. Watt on the outside, and uh, Bud Dupree is a free agent. But when you got those four guys along the defensive line, you're going to get plenty of pressure. So, but right. they also have a cap space issue. They're a negative right, twenty-seven. Right. They have a negative twenty-seven million dollars in cap space, so they would have to free up some money somehow to, to bring Watt in. Like I said, obviously we don't know what kind of money J.J. Watt. It's asking for right now, uh, but I'm sure okay. in the coming in the coming weeks, I'm sure we'll find out, and I'm sure by then he'll probably have a destination picked up. If I had to guess, he may sign somewhere for like ten million, something like that, like a one year ten million dollar deal. I could see something like that. Definitely he'll definitely, sense. yeah, yeah, he'll definitely take a discount because he's already made more than enough money at this point. He just want an opportunity to try to get a ring. But, yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those picks. I'd probably go Green Bay, Cleveland, and Buffalo. I wouldn't be I'll, mad if he came to San Francisco either. <laughs> I would go I would go Green Bay and Buffalo, possibly Pittsburgh. I, I think, you know, 3-4 scheme is perfect for him. I don't know if he wants to play seven technique like I mentioned earlier. And mentioned earlier. Uh, but, you know, like I said, he's a great player. Great players make great players. Maybe they bump him inside. He could do that too. But we'll see. Uh, but you mentioned something about championships and kind of leads right into our next topic. Draymond Green is a multiple-time, three-time NBA champion, actually. Uh, recently, he had a discussion about seeing double standards uh, in the NBA when it comes to players and teams and when it term, in terms of making trades and transactions and going to new destinations after it doesn't work out. So, Quinn, you saw the quick interview. Just give me your thoughts on what Draymond Green had to say. Right. Uh, so before I give my insight, we just want to run back uh, the interview comments real quick that Jermon Green stated the other night on uh, the NBA's double standards. So we'll play that for you real quick. I would like to talk about something that's really bothering me. And uh, it's the treatment of players in this league to to watch Andre Drummond before the game. Uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and 
essentially dogged it. I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for wanting to go to a different team, and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy, and then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer, and he's not good in someone's locker room, and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a, but a team can say they're trading you and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional. And if not, his career is on the line. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. You know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this. You can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $100,000 or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond's getting traded publicly and we're looking to trade him publicly and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great, to come out here and be in shape, to produce for fans every single night, and most importantly, to help your team win. Do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? But as players, we're told to, ah, oh, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can. It goes along the same lines of when, when everyone wants to say, oh man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, the players must be respected in these situations and it's ridiculous and I'm sick of seeing it. Y'all have a great night. I'll see y'all tomorrow or Wednesday. You know, I completely 100% agree with what Draymond Green said. Um, you know, I will say these these situations are a little bit different. You know, I feel like they're not really comparable to situations like Anthony Davis or James Harden uh, because I feel like there's kind of been some mutual uh, communications between both sides. And I think the teams, for the most part, have been pretty cooperative. Uh, but, you know, the optics are bad when you have Andre Drummond, who's not a scrub, by the way. He's averaging 18 and 13 this year and is a two-time All-Star. Uh, but you have him come out and warm up for a game against the Warriors, by the way, which is why Draymond Green commented on it. You have him come out there, warm up for a game, go out, go back to the locker room, and then he comes back in street clothes with no explanation or nothing. We're just like, okay, this is awkward. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I completely agree that as a double standard. Uh, you know, player trades have been handled, you know, you could say unprofessionally by organizations for years. 
you know, hearing all the time how players are on the bench when they find out they get traded. Uh, you've heard players, they're just out in public and they're hearing from somebody else that they've been traded. Um, or I even heard Shaq say, we know Shaq's an all-time great, and, you know, he played on like seven, eight different teams. And out of all the times he switched teams, he said the only person who kept it real with him about a trade was Steve Kerr. And if I'm not mistaken, that was when he was with Phoenix. Uh, but, you know, fans in the media, you know, they take it really personal when these players demand trades. But on the flip side, when the organization does it, it's like, all right, bravo. We're trying to, you know, make the team better, do what's in the best interest of the team. But, I mean, you have to remember, these are these players are humans. They're people. They have families. They have lives outside of basketball. And when you can pretty much just trade a player and not even tell them without any warning, without any communication, uh, I just think at that point, you know, it's pretty disrespectful and almost treating them like property. Uh now, will these comments change anything? I highly doubt it. But I do think that on the organization side, there could be, you know, better communication. Because I don't see why it's been a problem in the past for players to demand trades anyway. Because, you know, organizations trade players at the drop of a dime. So, in other words, you know, really when the players do it, they're just – you know, doing the same thing the organizations do, getting even with them. Uh, so I don't have a problem with his comments at all. I don't, I don't either. I think he was right for the most part. Players are always vilified uh, when they're trying to seek a better situation and they want out and teams aren't held accountable. Uh, they just basically make trades and that's it. You know, you don't hear anything about it. Uh, and I think, you know, part of that is the fans. I think most of the time the players receive backlash and at some points, it's, it's, due, it's from the media and the fans as well. Uh, but I know I, lately, you know, with superstars, I would say, you know, they, the media, more times than I are on the superstar side, unless it's something that's right. just egregious. You know, with the James Harden situation, James, you know, was being disrespectful towards his current Houston teammates. And I think, you know, there were some guys that had a problem with that in the media and players, a few players had a problem with that. And I think Draymond even mentioned it. Uh, in this small in this small interview, small clip, uh, but you know I think superstars can get away with that. Uh, you know, in terms of saying that I want out, I want to trade. But I think role players have to be careful uh, because I believe they could be labeled, you know, as a locker room cancer. Uh, I don't. I've never seen a role right. player come out and say uh, I want to be traded. Hey, that's just something I haven't seen. I think it's only been superstars, and I think that's unfortunately that's not how it should be. But that's that's how it is. Uh, but if you want to even want to look at role players, I think Carmelo Anthony is a good example. He spent a year and a half out of the league, and there was no way Melo should have been out of the league that long. And I think right. you know, Melo, Melo was labeled as a guy uh, that didn't want to accept his role. But, I mean, it seems like he's done exactly that in Portland, and he's excelled in that role. So I think for the most part, like I said, it's just it just is what it is, like you mentioned. Uh, players are going to always be vilified for that. I think that's going to change. And uh, teams won't catch the flag for it. I think another team is, you know, teams, they don't really – when it comes to, you know, a, what a young player or a superstar, they never really get the blame for why it doesn't work out. Uh, you know, there could be a, a failure to develop talent around him. 
uh, to surround them with the correct players. But you know, more times than not, you don't hear about that. You hear about the players quitting on their team. And that's just something I think that's part of what Draymond Green was saying. Uh, but with, right. with the way the, the way the Cavs handled that the other night, I didn't like that at all. Uh, the man was set to play. He was healthy, uh, came out. He was sent to the locker room. Like you said, he returned in street clothes. Uh, that's confusing. And if I'm an Andre Drummond, I'd be upset. Like, I'm – that's kind of embarrassing. Thinking you're going to play, right. they send you out, and now you come back in clothes, regular street clothes. And I, I don't like that at all. I think something should be done about that. And, you know, last year or a couple of years ago, Anthony Davis, when he came out and said he wanted to trade, Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $50,000 for that. hundred k. And, and that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Right. You know, teams can come out and say, oh, we're looking to trade this guy. But players can't come out and say, I want to trade. And I think that's what Draymond Green was mentioning. And even with DeMarcus Cousins, remember, he found out he got traded at, at the All-Star game during the interview. Yep. Found yep. out he got traded. So, you know. I remember that. What kind of, you know, where's the decency Where's the decency to let him know, oh, you're on the trade block? You know, that's something that you should know. I would want to know ahead of time. You know, you're in, in New Orleans playing some good ball. Obviously, you're an All-Star. And then you just get traded out of nowhere. That's something that's, you know, and I think that's, that's what Draymond, that type of stuff that Draymond Green doesn't like. I think that's something that other players, you know, probably have been discussing. I think Draymond Green was just one of the first person to just actually come out and say it, which often right. he doesn't, he's not afraid to speak his mind at all. Right. I was just about to say, you know, I think that's one of the things we have to appreciate about Draymond Green. You know, he doesn't bite his tongue on anything. Uh and, you know, definitely I think as soon as he's finished playing uh, with his playing career, he probably already got a broadcasting job locked up. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, though, you know, as unfortunate as it is for players, I think, you know, like I said, it's going to keep happening because it's a business. Uh, the, the teams are going to always do what's best for them, and the players are going to always do what's best for them. And, you know, that's just the way it is. But – like I said, there's still, you know, a certain way you can go about handling these type of situations. Um, and, you know, it boils down to respect and, you know, communication at the end of the day. And so I feel like these players should be given more leeway when it comes to, you know, publicly demanding their request and requesting trades from certain teams. And you're right. It is, it is what it is. I don't think it's going to change either. I think – you know, I think what will make it easier is if the fans will recognize that, you know, fans love their teams, they root for their team. So, you know, when their star player all of a sudden wants to trade, you know, naturally they're going to be upset. I think if fans understood that more, I think it would be, you know, a lot easier to trade guys or, you know, let guy, allow guys to move on. But, I, you know, I don't think it changes either, to be completely honest with you. Right, right. And, yeah, like you said, you know, I think honestly uh, – what he said could really be directed at fans in the media too, because, you know, at the end of the day, we're the ones out here giving commentary and reactions. And when these players go back to these arenas, the fans are the ones out there just drowning them with booze. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it's unfortunate. I, I really hate it for the players, uh, but hopefully the teams will do a better job at communicating the trades. Definitely. Uh, but this transitions greatly into our next next and last topic here. So Andre Drummond, as we mentioned earlier, and Blake Griffin are also uh, in trade talks and potential buyout discussions. So Quinn, 
give me, you know, your best fit for both for those guys. What team you think will make sense for both of those guys? And do you think they're going to be traded or do you think buyouts are going to happen in terms of their contract? All right. Uh, so first I'll start with Blake. In my opinion, I think more realistically, we're looking at a buyout uh, for him. He's owed 38 or 36.8 this year, and he has a $39 million player option for next year. So I think that player option is what's really going to kill his trade value, especially for that amount of money. That's about a third of the cap space. But he's nowhere near the same player he once was. Uh, He's had a lot of injuries, especially, uh, you know, last few years in Detroit. He really has struggled to stay healthy. Uh, And he's a ball stopper. You know, as, as as, as talented as he once was, and I mean, even now he's still a contributor, you know, he just isn't really, really what you're looking for on offense. Uh, but, you know, Detroit, I've seen a few places, they've been looking to trade Blake for months. And between him having that player option for next year and then also the fact that he only wants to be traded to certain teams has just kind of killed it. So, you know, I think we're realistically looking at a buyout for Blake Griffin. Uh Whatever team he does go to, I don't I don't think he'll be a starter. I think at this point in his career, he'd probably be best suited as a six-man uh, just because of his playing style. But some teams that I think would fit or could possibly be interested, again, this is through buyout, not trade. Uh, Celtics, they, they uh, sorely need a big man, uh, some kind of post presence. Uh, the Nets – the Brooklyn Nets could use some help. Um, of course, they got rid of Jared Allen in that trade for James Harden. Uh, so they could be in the market for a big man. The Warriors could be in the market. Uh, and then the Lakers, Mark Gasol hadn't played too well uh, this year or as well as they like. Uh, and then you're also looking at Anthony Davis being out an extended period of time. Uh, so I definitely think they'll be in the market as well. But for Andre Drummond, you know, actually, you know, even given the caliber of player he still is, I just don't see what team will want to trade for him, especially given, you know, his contract's about to expire. Uh, But, you know, what Andre Drummond is, he's a dominant rebounder. Uh, He's a good roll and lob threat to the rim. Uh, He gives you solid defense in the post. He's definitely not switchable. You wouldn't ask him to defend anybody in space. Uh, But, you know, a year ago, we expected a big trade market for Andre Drummond. And, you know, we just kind of saw that flame out. And it was like, dang, what's wrong with Andre Drummond? Um, And I think, you know, really the biggest thing is uh, the NBA just passed him by. It's almost like, let's, for comparison, Anthony Davis will be an iPhone, right? Andre Drummond would be like a razor. That's essentially what you have here. So I don't think there'll be really that big of a trade mar- market for Andre Drummond. Um, I think more realistically, we'll be looking at a buyout. Uh, but some teams, I think he fit well on. The Warriors again, I think they'd be interested. Uh, the Celtics. And then another team for Drummond, I got the Raptors. Um, they've, they've been heavily linked to Andre Drummond recently. 
Uh, so that could be a team that's a factor uh, in that trade scenario as well. For, I'm going to go start with Blake Griffin as well. Honestly, I don't see anybody trading for him. Like you said, that $36 million cap hit is astronomical. Nobody's going to trade for him. At this point, he's an extremely high-priced role player. Uh, it is what right. it is. Uh, only averaging 12 points, five rebounds, and four assists per game this year. Hasn't dunked since 2019 in the game, and that's what we know Blake Griffin for, dunking. He's not a great rebounder at this point, a bad defender. He's not a good three-point shooter, despite shooting almost seven, attempting almost seven threes a game. Uh, so, you know, at this point, you know, like he, he's best suited as a six-man. Right. And honestly, you know, I don't know how much, you know, a buyout would cost the Pistons, and I'm sure there's something that both sides will have to agree upon and work on. So I'm interested to see that. I don't think nobody trades for him. Now, if he's bought out, if he's bought out, then I, I could see a team that needs a six-man or a big, something body like the Celtics or maybe the Clippers or something like that, are possibly, you know, going after Blake Griffin. But other than that, I don't There's I don't think there's a trade market at all for Blake Griffin. Mm. Now, for Andre Drummond, it's a little different. For Andre Drummond's averaging 17.5 points, 13.5 rebounds, almost two steals and a block per game. Uh making $28 million. He's also set to be a free agent after this season. But I think with his numbers, I think they're a little inflated. They don't always translate to wins. And uh, he's really kind of inefficient to be a big. His two-point, his, two yeah. accuracy, his accuracy for two-point range is 48%. The league average for NBA center is 58%. So even he's 6'11", 270. And even with that size and athleticism, he struggles to finish around the rim, which is concerning. I think, you know, in terms of just the best team that, that really needs him, I would say the Raptors. But I don't know how they trade for him, to be completely honest with you. Their cap situation isn't the greatest. I could see Brooklyn, I could see Brooklyn Nets uh, making a run at him if he's bought out, or maybe even the Celtics. The Celtics do hold a $28.5 million trade exception, but his salary right, doesn't quite right. his his salary doesn't quite fit with that. They will have to acquire a player with a similar salary, somebody like Otto Porter Jr., and then flip him like that, like that, in that manner. Uh, but other than that, I think he's another guy that if he's bought out, then I can see a lot of people going after him. Uh, but as a trade partner, I don't know who would trade for Andre Drummond or who can a con- or can a contender, I would say, that can trade for Andre Drummond. Right. Uh and you know, you brought up how inefficient he is. And, you know, just to point out some other flaws in this game, you know, he's highly inconsistent. Uh, and then, you know, I guess people have criticized him because he's not what you call a prototypical big man in the NBA nowadays. And so, you know, he's taking it upon himself. He's out near the perimeter. He shoots threes now, tries to handle the ball. But if he's going to go to a contending team, like a legit contender, that's not the player he's gonna be able to be on that team. Like he could do all this stuff on these bad teams, weren't competing for anything. But you know, I think whatever team he does go to, they're gonna strictly need him to be a rebounder one, which is what he's great at, a rim protector, which he's also pretty good at, and you know, provide some low post scoring offense. Um so I think as long as he can go to a team, hopefully he'll realize his role and accept it because uh, he definitely won't be a number one scoring option anymore. Um, but as long as he can accept his role, I think he can be, have a pretty big impact 
uh, on a contending team. And I know with Andre Drummond, he's one of the only players I could think of in my lifetime that could have a 30-point, 20-rebound game, but you don't feel like he really made an impact. I feel like his numbers right. are – I feel like his numbers are inflated. You know, he can put up those numbers, but his teams still most of the time don't win those win those games. A lot but, of yeah. his rebounds be off his all misses. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and I know I've, I've, I've watched him play, and a lot of times, even with his defensive rebounding, at, some, at times it seems like he's more interested in getting the rebounding instead of making the correct play, instead of boxing out, he's more interested in trying to, you know, stat pad and get rebounds like that. So, you know, right. he's going if he does go to a contender, he's going to have to accept his role, like you said, shot blocking, mm-hmm. low post defense, a little bit of low post scoring and rebounding. That's what his role is. And that's what you need him to do and roll and be able to roll to the rim off the pick and roll. It's all you need him for. You don't need him to uh to shoot mid range jumpers and three pointers or try to take it to the rim off the dribble. You don't need that. You just you mm-hmm. need a traditional center and you need to need him to provide a little bit of offense here and there. Yep. Set screens. Can't forget set screens. Yep, definitely. <laughs> he is a big guy, 6'11, 270. So shoot, shoot. put that frame to good use. <laughs> Definitely. But I think I think the Raptors would be a good fit. I've seen uh they could they could possibly be looking to trade Kyle Lowry. I heard you bring up matching the salaries. Uh with you know, they've had a pretty slow start to the season. I've seen they could possibly be looking to trade Kyle Lowry to fully give the keys to Fred Van Fleet. Uh because Kyle Lowry's set to be a free agent this offseason. So I would, that could, I would. I would only see them trading Kyle Lowry if a third team got involved that wanted Kyle well, Lowry. I was going to say third team, Clippers. Mm, but then you got to think about the salaries, though. You know, who – Yeah, I, I didn't think about who the Clippers were putting in the trade, uh, but, I mean, that's a possibility. If they could make the salaries match up, I could see, I could see a trade like that shaking out. Definitely. But is there anything else you want to add? No, I think that's about all I have, man. Uh, you got watching the NBA games tonight? Uh, more than likely, yeah. I don't have anything else to do today, so definitely, yeah. When I when I get done editing yeah. and all that, yeah, for sure, for sure. I probably check out some, tap in, set my fantasy yeah. basketball lineup. Yeah, that's something I need to get into. I haven't got into the fantasy basketball man. What you missing yeah. out, man? I think I definitely started playing football first, but I think this is about my fourth year, fourth or fifth year doing basketball. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out probably next year. Definitely, definitely. But, hey, you know what? Next year we should do a first and foremost fantasy league. We'll do. We can do that. We can do for that. Sure. But that's all we have for you guys today. We want to thank you all for tuning in once again and supporting us. Uh, continue to to interact with us on social media. Follow our social media. Um, we we post links all the time. You know, interact with us. Send us comment. Mm-hmm. You know, send us some DMs. Ask us a few questions. Even offer. You know, if if you got a guest that somebody you may think should be a guest on our show, just mention them to us. We're all ears. Send them my way. We're just trying to just trying to get better and provide the best content for y'all. So once again, this oh, is the yeah. first and foremost sports podcast. I'm your host Jimmy Covington. I'm the one and only, Quentin Douglas. Thank y'all. We out of here. Deuces.